If Notre Dame is going to compete for the college football playoff in 2023, they're going to need a few players on defense to separate themselves in some key position battles. So who needs to step up in spring practice? That's coming up on this edition of Locked On Irish. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into Locked On Irish. It is Tuesday, March 21st, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. The show is free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So whether you're watching or listening, please take a moment to subscribe to the show from wherever it is that you're tuning in from. My name is Tyler Rojak, and I'm the host. I've been a huge Notre Dame fan for my entire life and an alum as of 2018. I've been podcasting about the football team for the past three years, and I'm also a producer for the college football talent at the Fox Sports headquarters in L.A. We've got a loaded episode today. First, I'm going to take a look at the top position battles on defense going into spring practice which kicks off tomorrow on Wednesday, March 22nd. I broke down the position battles on the offensive side of the ball in yesterday's episode, so go check that out if you haven't listened to it already. Then at the end, we've got some interesting news to share on the recruiting trail, plus some developments about Mike Bray and where he might be headed next. And we've got a new name in the mix to be Bray's potential replacement, so so stay tuned for that at the end. All right, let's take a look at the defense. And really, we're just going to focus on the defensive line and linebackers because those are really the two main position battles. Like, the cornerbacks are pretty much set. We know it's going to be Ben Morrison and Cam Hart on the outside with Thomas Harper, the Oklahoma State transfer, being the most likely candidate to start at nickel. A lot of people are really high in the true freshman, Christian Gray. He's an early enrollee, and some people think that Gray's actually good enough to force his way onto the field in his freshman season, much like Morrison did last season, despite the fact that Morrison was not an early enrollee. So the thing with Gray is he's going to have to work his way up from the bottom of the depth chart, at least at the start of spring practice. Um, Jaden Mickey is going to be part of that equation as well. He's going to rotate in. And don't forget about Clarence Lewis either. He'll be in the mix. Clarence might even get some reps at safety. That's definitely something to keep an eye on in the spring. But for the most part, we know who the starters are going to be at corner. Uh, The back end at safety... It's probably going to be the same three-man rotation between Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson, and DJ Brown that we saw throughout the end of last season. Watson Henderson will probably be the first on the field, but Brown will be able to contribute plenty off the bench. If you're looking at the Gator Bowl, Watts led the safeties with 62 snaps, Henderson had 51, and Brown was not far behind with 41. So that kind of gives you that gives you an idea of how that rate, rotation worked there at the end. Okay, so let's look at the defensive line, and particularly the Viper and the strong side end positions. And for the sake of this discussion, we're going to assume that Notre Dame is going to start in a 4-3 base defense. I know they're going to run nickel a lot, and there's even some talk about potentially switching to a 3-3-5 with three defensive linemen, three linebackers, and then five defensive backs. That's what TCU like to do on their path to the national championship game last season. But I think at the beginning of spring ball, they'll work mostly out of a traditional 4-3 base defense. And uh, I, I think there's no way to go around it. Notre Dame has some big shoes to fill at the Viper position, replacing the production from Isaiah Foskey. The all-time sacks leader at Notre Dame is going to be a very difficult task for Al Washington's group. But he's got several guys who can contribute this season, so let's take a look at them now. As we know, you need to be able to rotate at least like six to eight guys in the defensive line to compete at the highest levels of college football nowadays. Notre Dame had seven different players play over 200 snaps in the defensive line last season, and that number might have been eight if Jacob Lacey didn't decide to transfer after four games. Looking back, that transfer seems more and more odd when you think about where Notre Dame's depth is now, but again, that's that's in the past now. So if you're looking for one guy to replace Isaiah Foskey, I think you've got it all wrong. 
It's likely going to be a combination of Javante Jean-Baptiste, the transfer from Ohio State, Jordan Botella, who will be entering his senior season, fifth-year senior Nana Osafumensa, and Alex Ehrensberger, another senior. He'll be in the mix as well. And the good news for Notre Dame is that you've got a lot of guys who've been around to fill in for Foskey and Justin Adamiola as well. I should mention him. Um, I think he no doubt would be a starter this year, but he decided to leave and put his name in for the NFL draft. The bad news for Notre Dame is that although you've got a guy, although you have a lot of guys who've been around the block, none of them have really been able to perform at a high level on a consistent game-to-game basis, at least at Notre Dame. So Jean-Baptiste put up impressive numbers at Ohio State. He recorded four sacks and a forced fumble in his last season at Ohio State, but he was mostly a rotation guy on an elite defensive unit. So I don't think it's a bad thing that he was a rotation guy on that defensive line. I mean, they are, they're loaded. They're loaded every year. They've got like one of the best defensive line coaches, if not the best in all of college football. So he, the fact that he was even able to get on the field as much as he did and contribute tells you the type of player that he is and the type of player that Notre Dame is getting for this season. This year, he's going to be challenged to take on a much more prominent role, not as a rotation guy, but as probably a starter at one of the end positions. It's going to be really interesting to see where they have him line up when he first takes the field for the defense because he's probably more suited to play Viper. He's much he's much better at rushing the passer than he is at stopping the run, which is more suited for the Viper position. But Jordan Botella might have a word about that because he might be a better fit there, and he looked really good in that Gator Bowl game last season uh, when he had a couple of sacks in his first game replacing Isaiah Foskey, who obviously sat out ahead of the NFL draft. And I really like what I've been seeing from Nana uh, Nana Osafo Mensa as a leader. Um, he's like a fixture on all those videos Notre Dame puts out there from winter workouts. And it might not seem like that's a not a big deal, but I think it says a lot about what his, what his teammates think about him because if you're going to be the vocal leader like that, you've got to be able to produce in the field to command that kind of respect from everyone else in the room. Like if you're the last dude on the bench and you're yelling at everyone to pick it up during a tough workout, that's probably not going to land the same as if one of your starters or one of your best players did that. Like imagine if Cousin Greg from Succession tried to give a speech at a Waystar board meeting. I don't think that would fly <laughs> super well. Everyone would probably be like Tom and just say, shut up, Greg. And it's the same thing in all sports. I'm sorry if you don't understand the succession reference. The final season is coming out soon. I'm just very excited about it. Anyway, back to the defensive line here. Um, some younger guys to keep your eye on. Junior Tui Halamaka officially made the switch from Mike Linebacker to Viper, which doesn't seem like the most traditional position switch of all time, but it, we'll see what happens. Junior might be a really effective pass rusher as well. I don't think ex- anyone expects him to start right away, but he could re- be a really solid rotation player in his sophomore season. Josh Burnham is another name, and based on some of the stuff we've heard, Burnham is a dog in the weight room. Plus, he's a really good athlete, so not only does he have really exceptional traits, but when he works that hard, it's it's a- exciting to think about what he could do on the field if he you know kind of puts it all together, and hopefully we'll be able to see that kind of intensity and effort off the edge here soon. Aiden Gobira is another name to keep an eye out for. He's entering his sophomore season. Um, He was a pretty highly touted recruit, but he was not nearly physically ready to play last season. But hopefully a full year under Matt Bayless has helped with that. He's really long. He's really explosive, but he was just way too skinny to get on the field last season. Um, In my opinion, Jordan Botello and Riley Mills are the X factors here because if Botello can establish himself as a guy who needs to be on the field every play, that's huge for Notre Dame because we know he has the talent. We know he has the energy to be a really effective uh, rusher off the edge. But we haven't really been able to see him lock in and do that 
on a consistent snap-to-snap and game-to-game basis yet. But again, going back to that Gator ball, two sacks, he was all over the field for Notre Dame. If he could do that every game, that's going to be huge for Notre Dame, and that's going to impact where they utilize Jean Baptiste. Could it be at the strong side end? We'll see, but I think that's a great pairing between the two of them there. And then if Riley Mills moves over to the inside, that provides Notre Dame with some size in the inside, which they didn't really have a ton of last season. I really like Howard Cross. He's definitely going to start. He has great hands, but he's pretty undersized for an interior defensive lineman. Riley Mills, we know he's got all the traits. He was on Bruce Feldman's freak list last year, and a lot of people were super high on him going into the season. And it's not like he had a bad year. It just wasn't as good, and he didn't put up the type of production that a lot of people were hoping for. He had three and a half sacks on the year, but he had two in one game in 2021, his first start against Virginia. So I think you just want to see more of him going into this season. And look, Notre Dame has a long time to get this defensive line worked out. Spring practice is just an opportunity to move guys around, get some young guys some looks, and figure out what works and what doesn't. And I know a lot of people are down in this group right now, and I get it. They got absolutely torched by USC at the end of last year. It's hard to forget what Caleb Williams is doing to the defensive line. I mean, he's literally toying with that unit and talking trash to him on the way to the end zone, basically running backwards. Like, it sucked. Trust me, I was there. I watched it. That that was miserable, and I still hear about it from all the USC fans out here in Los Angeles. And I really, really, really would like Notre Dame to make up for that and get a win against USC this year. But in order to do that, they're going to need some really solid defensive line play. And they've got plenty of time to get that sorted out. But I think that going into the spring, it's a great opportunity for some of these guys, especially those young guys, to step up, take advantage of the opportunity, and position themselves to have a big year. And honestly, we're just going to have to see who takes advantage of that in the next four weeks. Okay, coming up next, could an underclassman usurp one of the seniors at linebacker? So stay tuned for that. But first, I want to tell you about FanDuel. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win just download the FanDuel sportsbook app it's safe secure and super easy to use then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and threes made for my pick tonight i'm taking the kings to cover as four point underdogs at home against the boston celtics i can't believe i'm saying this but i actually like really love watching the sacramento kings De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, and Kevin Harder are really fun to watch. I think they're going to cover tonight as home dogs against one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day. Remember to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Today we're looking at the top position battles on defense. And if you missed yesterday's episode where I went over the top position battles on offense, be sure to go check that out when you're done listening to this episode. Okay, let's take a look at the linebackers because this position is really interesting to me. Notre Dame returns all of their starting linebackers from last season, and yet it's still a big question mark heading into spring practice. To start, I think we can all pencil in J.D. Bertrand, to be the starting Mike linebacker this season. Maris Leifel led the defense in snaps last season as the Will linebacker, but J.D. probably would have beat him out if he wasn't addicted to getting a targeting penalty last year. Like, I love his intensity. I love the way – I love how violent he is at the point of attack, but come on, J.D. He had two – he missed two halves last season because of targeting penalties. He actually got a third penalty called on him, but unfortunately it was wiped off. Hopefully he gets that figured out before this season because Notre Dame needs him on the field. I understand – how the fan base feels about him. And I know that he's not the most athletic linebacker in the world, but 
Notre Dame is better when J.D. is on the field. He knows the defense. He's really smart. He knows where to be. He just doesn't always get there in time. And I know he misses some tackles. But I think that his his misses are loud, and people remember those more than the good plays he makes. Like in that Gator Bowl, he was all over the field and made some key tackles and safe touchdowns. And I think is a big reason Notre Dame's defense was so dominant in that second half. As for Marist, I'm not as high in him. Okay, he's like the complete opposite of JD because Maris is a great athlete, but he loves, loves to run full speed into the blocker, usually a lineman who's way bigger than him for whatever reason. Like if that were a stat, he would lead the country. And his miscues last year were extremely costly. And I think it's time to look for a replacement there. Maybe not full time, but at least someone that he could rotate with on a frequent basis because Maris Leofowl just cannot be leading the defense in snaps this season, next season, unless he drastically improves his game from last year to this year. But I just I don't really see that happening with him. So who could that be? I mean, we could see Jalen Sneed. He's entering his sophomore season. He was a former top recruit in the class of 2022. He's put the necessary weight on and has a full year under his belt. So I think he could make a big step this spring if he does. And then Leo Fowl could just come in to rush a passer. That'd be an ideal scenario for Notre Dame because then you get Sneed's athleticism and his playmaking ability on the field a lot more. You put Leo Fowl in a position to do what he does best, which is rush the quarterback. I mean, as much as we, you know, kind of harp on Leo Fowl's mistakes last season, we saw how effective he could be in 2020 in that game against North Carolina, where he really broke out on the scene. And I think that's when everyone kind of became obsessed with his game. Then he obviously got hurt, missed the whole season the following year, and it's it's been a tough road back ever since for Maris. Now, with Sneed, he might actually be better playing the Rover linebacker position, which is where Jack Kaiser played last year. The Rover comes off the field sometimes and plays for the nickel, so that'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame handles that situation. But Jack Kaiser was incredibly efficient with his snaps last year. He only played 305 snaps total, which is basically half of what Leofau played. Leofau had 601, and yet Kaiser was second on the team in tackles with 58. That's pretty nuts, okay? Like, that's a guy who you want on the field a little bit more because I know he's not the biggest guy, but he flies around and is probably better suited playing downhill more so than he is in coverage, so maybe we'll see a position switch inside with Kaiser. That could be an option, although he did have that pick six against Wisconsin a couple years ago, so it's not like he can't cover. But then again, I think that had had more to do with Graham Mertz than it did with Jack Kaiser. Although credit to Kaiser being in the right place at the right time. So where does that leave Prince Colley? He was listed as a Will linebacker on the depth chart last year, but again, like I don't really put a ton of stock into the depth chart that Notre Dame gives the media. Like it doesn't, it's not really a great representation of where these players actually are in the real depth chart that it is takes place on Saturdays. You know what I mean? It's not a piece of paper. It's how these players are rotated onto the actual field. Colley was only on the field for 123 for 123 snaps last season. But we were able to see some flashes of why he was such a highly touted recruit. In high school, Kali was just the best athlete on the field. It was seat ball, hit ball, and most of the time he was there making the play. Like he didn't have to make a ton of reads back then because he was just so much better than everyone. I mean, that was the reason why he won the high school Buckus Award. He was just that good. So he had a pretty steep learning curve once he got to Notre Dame. But with two years under his belt now, I think this spring is a good time for him to showcase his ability to and show what how much he's developed over the course of these previous two years. Read what's in front of him and then utilize his athleticism to make some plays. If any of these younger guys beat out the seniors in front of them, I think that says a lot about their progress, and Notre Dame's defense is in a lot better position. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the cliche, competition breeds success, and that's true. And it's really, 
It's really interesting here at the linebacker position because remember when Marcus Freeman came over to Notre Dame as the defensive coordinator and then he put together maybe one of the best linebacker recruiting classes we've seen at Notre Dame in some time. They've had a year now. They've learned the system, and now we're going to hopefully start seeing what they're capable of doing on Saturdays. It's great to have experience on the field, and like I said, I think J.D. Bertrand is a no-doubt surefire starter so long as he's healthy, and he's going to be anchoring the middle of that defense. Now, how the rest of that group shakes out is going to be really interesting to see, and I would love to see some of these young guys get on the field and force themselves on the field because obviously the coaches are going to have, you know, they're going to want to have guys who are, know what they're doing, who've been around, who've seen a lot, play on the field on Saturdays. So guys with more experience are going to have a leg up, especially at the start of spring practice. But if you see these younger guys really develop, learn the defense, and know how to make these reads, Al Golden's defense, I know some people like to say that it's like a little too complex. I, I maybe, I mean, I don't obviously know all the ins and outs of that defense. He does have the NFL background. It was his first season. I'm sure that there are things that he learned last year that he'll be able to take into this season and then be able to put Notre Dame's players in better position to make plays and have success where they're not thinking as much and they could, it's more so like read and react. But the linebacker position is going to be a storyline, not just throughout this spring, but throughout the summer and into the fall because you know, a lot of times we get so caught up in the spring and then what happens there. But the situation can change as the year goes on. Like guys can come in and make a name for themselves in the middle of the season. Just look at Benjamin Morrison. In that Syracuse game last season, Syracuse was going at him. Like they were targeting Morrison and it was not a great game for him. And then all of a sudden that Clemson game, everything changed. And now we're going into this season where we're thinking like he could be an All-American in year two. There's that could definitely happen at the linebacker position. It's just something that we're going to have to follow over the course in the next four to five weeks and then over the next several months heading into fall camp. All right, coming up next, Mike Bray might have already found a new home in South Florida and a new name has popped up in Notre Dame search to find his replacement. Okay, I want to start off this segment by saying I had a crucial miss on yesterday's episode during the shout-outs and closeout segment. Shout-out to Drew Brennan, an OG listener of the pod who pointed out that I forgot to give a shout-out to the men's lacrosse team, and Drew is right. Like, that's 100% on me. The Irish lacrosse team stomped Michigan on Sunday by a score of 18-8, to and on Monday they moved up to number one in the rankings. Light up Grace Hall. Shout-out to Coach Corrigan's squad. They've been the best team in the country so far and have a great chance at bringing a national title back to South Bend, so shout-out to them. I am very sorry for that miss yesterday. That one's on me. Now, on the recruiting trail, Notre Dame got some good news and bad news over the past couple days. The good news is that five-star defensive tackle Justin Scott will take his official visit to Notre Dame this weekend. Scott is the number 14 player overall in the 24-7 sports composite and is the fourth highest defensive lineman in the class of 2024. Scott is pretty much a must-get for this class if Notre Dame wants to crack the top five. They didn't get any five-star players last year after they lost Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen. Scott looks like the five-star that they have the best shot with in this recruiting class. And at one point, it looked like Scott was going to commit to Notre Dame in late January. He even had his commitment date set and everything. I talked about this with Mike Singer a few pods ago. But then Georgia offered him an outlook like Scott is going to take his process into the summer, which is honestly good for him. Like He's a five-star. He's got plenty of suitors. I'd rather him actually go through the full recruiting process and then make an educated decision after going through it rather than doing what Peyton Bowen did last year where he committed at the very beginning of the year and then just basically toyed with Notre Dame for an entire calendar year and then ultimately flipped to Oregon and then Oklahoma. Like Anything Notre Dame can do to avoid another situation like that, that was an absolute disaster. Like I'm totally cool with it. So Scott, take your 
your time. And according to On3's Chad Simmons, Scott will take his official visit to Notre Dame this upcoming weekend. Then he has three more visits planned to Miami in April and then Georgia and Ohio State in June. Notre Dame still has plenty of work to do in order to get Scott to sign on the dotted line come December, but this is definitely a step in the right direction after it looked like Notre Dame had lost quite a bit of momentum with Scott. Okay, now for the bad news. Four-star athlete Brandon Hillman committed to Michigan on Sunday after he was granted release from his national letter of intent to play with Notre Dame earlier this month. And look, this sucks. Like, let's just be honest. Even though Notre Dame isn't scheduled to face Michigan anytime soon, it still sucks losing one of your commits to a rival. Like, I don't care who it is. I know a lot of fans are upset with how the situation played out, and I get it. But when it comes to Notre Dame and academics, like, Notre Dame has their own way of doing things. That's the way it's always been. I do think it's a little odd that he was able to get admitted to Michigan because, like, as much as we like to hate on Michigan, academically, they aren't that far off from Notre Dame's and, and Notre Dame in terms of their academic standards for athletes. So it's an unfortunate situation for Notre Dame, but I'm not going to dwell on it too much. Okay, in basketball news, it looks like Mike Bray might be headed to the University of South Florida to be the next head basketball coach for the Bulls. Bray interviewed for the job last week, and Russ Wood from Bulls Insider reported on Monday morning that Bray is expected to get the job. However, just a few hours later, after that report went out, Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic said she spoke with USF AD Michael Kelly, and he told her that no formal offer has been extended at this point. By the time we're listening to this, it might be officially official. Bray is going to be the head coach for the Bulls. But for now, we're just going to have to wait and see. If Bray does get the job, though, I mean, I absolutely love it this move for him. He basically gets he basically gets to cash some checks and ease into retirement. Most people when they get older they re- they retire and move to South Florida anyway. My parents just moved to South or they moved to Sarasota, which is same general area. It's not too far from Tampa. So, congrats to Mike Bray, man. I mean, expectations for him are going to be extremely low. South Florida has had one winning season in the past decade, and they've had single-digit wins in five out of the last nine seasons. So if Bray is able to make one NCAA tournament run, that's enough goodwill to carry it throughout his entire tenure at South Florida, however long that may be. So good for Bray, man. Enjoy Tampa. And lastly, sadly, the dream is dead. Rick Pitino is not going to replace Mike Bray as the Notre Dame men's basketball coach. I tried, folks. I really did. I tried to meme it into existence. I started the campaign on Titus and Tate a couple months ago. We had some supporters. I think even Tony Kornheiser mentioned on Pardon the Interruption that Notre Dame should look at Rick Pitino. Now, I was pretty much half kidding. I knew that Notre Dame would never hire Rick Pitino given his uh, checkered past. Let's call it that. Uh, But Patino agreed to a six-year deal to become the coach at St. John's, which is going to be awesome, by the way. I can't wait to watch Patino in the smoking smoking white suit stalk the uh, sidelines at the Madison Square Garden. But at least we tried. We gave it our all, and uh, Notre Dame is not going to be getting Rick Patino to come to Notre Dame. Now, there is a new name to keep an eye on, though, in the search for Brazer placement. Tom Loy and Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated reported on Monday night that Notre Dame has been communicating with Creighton head coach Greg McDermott. We already know Penn State's Micah Shrewsbury is a serious candidate as well, but his contract extension at Penn State would mean Notre Dame has to pay a lot of money to get him. Now, this isn't like the buyout situation with Andy Ludwig. This just has to do with the fact that Penn State is really ponying up on their end to keep Micah Shrewsbury, and now Notre Dame is probably going to have to at least match that or do better in order to get him to leave Penn State and come to Notre Dame. It's going to be an interesting situation. Um, we'll see how it plays out in the next few days, and once Notre Dame finally makes the hire, we'll have you covered here on Locked On Irish. 
That's a wrap for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. On the way out, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, and give us a follow on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojcik. That's at Tyler. W-O-J-C-I-A-K. For a second, listen, check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where experts Isaac Shea and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, here for big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, that's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.